Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. If storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now, it's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but... Ultimately, it's exciting. The biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Here we go. We're live again with another episode of the Big O Bell Podcast. Today is uh, March the 8th, and um, I'm two chains along with Fellow co-host Jamal the Giant Crab and Mr. Silly Silas himself. How you doing, fellas? Great, great. Great, man. Start of the rugby season. You know, I can't wait to get up at four in the morning. uh, Well, yeah, about six hours from now to watch the games. (laughs) I wasn't even aware. I'm not a rugby fan. That's one sport that it's cool if I watch it if it's on TV, but can't tell you a thing about it. But and and also, if, if you're watching locally. Uh, um, South Africa versus, I want to say Poland, uh, the Rugby World Cup goes on sale this weekend. Hmm. So they're playing at RFK. So I'd definitely be there for that. <laughs> Wait, is cool. RFK st- even still up? Don't yeah. worry about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, anywho, um, so yeah, today um, a few topics to talk about. Um, and obviously, we'll get down to uh, other rumors and news, but. Um, our hot topics of the day. We're going to start all talking about uh, the Bullet Club, in which in their last um, episode of Being the Elite, uh, entitled All In, which was a good episode, as, as always. Um, this was episode 95 for them. They finally got to the point where they announced where their All In event was going to be and um obviously the rumors for a while has been was it going to be between la and was it going to be between chicago um but ultimately they landed their location which is chicago but is it chicago because it's where uh hoffman states illinois uh the beautiful scenic suburban countryside of hoffman states illinois it's about 45 minutes outside of downtown chicago you, right. Unless unless there's traffic on the Stevenson, then that's over an hour. <laughs> that's that's no lie. <laughs> I had my dose of Chicago um traffic uh visiting there one time. And I also had an Uber driver who decided that he was never gonna take his car out of first gear. So that was amazing as well, too. Um also that was my first time also doing an Uber pool, and that was also um never very again. interesting. So uh but nonetheless, Chicago is a great town when it comes down to independent wrestling and just wrestling um, itself because um, just a good fan base um, surrounded by tons of promotions. So downtown Chicago, 45 minutes out of Chicago, I think they really do have a good opportunity to to um, nail their mark in which this arena seats about 10,000. So um, yeah. obviously for anybody who's just been under a rock, uh, for a while, um, I believe Dave Meltzer was the one who challenged them, saying they won't they wouldn't be able to sell out a ten thousand crowd um, arena. Um, excuse me, that was the bet. The arena holds eleven thousand. From uh, they were just talking about Ring of Honor, and I don't remember how the actual conversation came up, but I thought they were like, 
Ring of Honor is killing it and they're selling out 2,500, you know, 3,000 seats. And they're like, well, we could do that. Hell, we could do more than that. And I think that's how it got started. Okay. Yeah, I mean, nonetheless, it was sort of like a bet, like, yeah, we can do it. Um, yeah, and again, I meant to say that the arena hosts 11,000. I think the, the bet or the premise was around 10,000, nonetheless. Um, so the Bullet Club is completely financing their own super show. And um, it's going down September 1st. Um, but let me ask this. Did they say how much the tickets were worth? Even though they're financing their own show, do you know how much the tickets are selling? Even though they're expecting a, a venue of 10000 it's like $20 per head. Are you they haven't announced it? prices yet. Tickets not on sale. But here, here's here's the thing. This this is what this conversation is going to be about. They pulled the trigger, and I think it's very ironic, considering that um, they've been really good in marketing. I mean, from all the merch, um, from all the uh, lawsuits that was looming, they figured out how to turn what could have been ugly situations around to uh, revenue. And I think they actually looked at the fact that uh, Ring, of Honor, Ring of Honor's uh, main event for Supercard of Honor, which is going to be WrestleMania weekend, has sold the most of any Ring of Honor show in history, considering that that main event will be Cody versus Kenny Omega, uh, the heads of the Bullet Club. And I think it's, I think with great confidence, they look at that and they say, you know what, if that's our two guys and they're able to sell that many tickets on a WrestleMania weekend with a weekend with many competition of promotions all over the place. Why couldn't we do that? Why, why, why wouldn't we be able to do that on our own dedicated weekend in Chicago, a good town, using the same stars plus more, and they haven't even announced half the people they're going to have in it yet, and hit, and hit it on the mark? I mean, considering that and thinking about analytics, they have to have a great deal of confidence knowing they could do this. Well, True. Um, I think the biggest thing, of course, and it's been really smart the way they've been playing this um, the whole time. Everything's been you know, coinciding with the YouTube show, actual New Japan events, and actual Ring of Honor event, events. And that's pretty gracious of Ring of Honor and New Japan to give them the leeway to do that. But I think what's interesting, is, of course, is you know, sprinkling the seeds, they've been stringing us along. And this is the thing, they've been stringing us along for like six months for the announcement of an event. No matches have been announced. No seating or pricing information have been announced. No travel packages are, have been announced. The only thing that we know is that it's going to be a building, a good smooth hour outside of Chicago. So there's a lot that we still don't know. And honestly, when it comes down to it, it's September 1st, which is Labor Day weekend which is the, the last big summer holiday in the U.S., it's put up or shut up. A lot of people are traveling around that time. A lot of people make Labor Day plans for that reason. Are they actually going to show up in Chicago is the, is the burning question right now, <laughs> not knowing what anything uh, about the event is. Right. If you are a Young Bucks fan and live in a ring of honor city, you may not need to fly to Chicago because you've seen them already. If you're a Young Bucks fan in Southern California... You may not need to see them already because they regularly attend PWG events. So, and Chicago is a big ROH town as long as well as Milwaukee and uh, outside of Minneapolis and Indianapolis is too. So do we need to be all in? 
So uh, another question I want to throw at you, since you're throwing a lot of um, uh, neighboring cities, give me an idea of different means of 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 uh, commute of getting there. Besides, obviously, saying I'm going to Chicago and then I'm gonna drive 45 minutes out. So what, what are other ways of getting there? I mean, to Chicago, to the location of the event. Considering it's 45 minutes out, um, and I know you've you you you've done a lot of traveling in that immediate area. Um. um uh, well, not in that immediate a- area. Like, if you're familiar with Chicago, with Chicago land, this thing is uh, like twenty mile, like a half an hour past O'Hare. Uh, okay. It's like twenty minutes past Schaumburg. So, as far as the location specifically, it's not the most um, favorable for those that are traveling into town. You would still need to f- find transportation to the event itself. Uh, public transportation is going to be hard to come by. And Uber and Lyft surge prices can be stupid ridiculous at times. So it's definitely something that the locals can drive to. But if you're, you know, flying into town and your hotel is in the loop, well, it doesn't matter because you still have 25, 30 miles between uh, gap to fill. So, you know, it's because the event is not particularly accessible for those that are not like renting the car immediately. Uh, that's another thing that could be prohibitive for people trying to attend the event. So, so it is interesting that they pick that uh, arena. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we don't know what kind of deal they may have gotten on the or the you know booking that venue. Uh, maybe other venues in that area were booked already. It is September, so that is a time where uh, the the fall sports are getting ready to go. Yeah. So let me let me ask this to you, Krabby. So if, if I'm thinking, because I've never been to, and I'm, I'm looking forward to going to you know, Illinois, Chicago area for the first time. But if I'm thinking from the D.C. perspective and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> like if I live in D.C. like you do, and I have to travel to, you know, Annandale, Virginia to go to the JCC, you know, or whatever. Is this a, a something where you can transcend where now wrestling can become a bigger venue in small towns and you don't need the major cities for it? where you can get the money and financial backing from that because the real wrestling fans are in the suburban areas or rural areas. Are you making a new trend setting measurement by the, uh, by the bullet, uh, you know, the, the club to come to this type of venue is, can that be a new trend in wrestling? You know, I want to add my two cents to that right now. If I, if I think I'm understanding that question correctly, this is like saying how MCW refuses to put a show in a major city. Exactly. They do exactly. it way out past Wardorf, or they do right. it way out past Baltimore, which is correct. I don't even know what county that is, actually. So you're saying, you know, for the fact that if you're out of a big city or the metropolitan areas of the major right. cities, which is right. obviously rent and everything else is higher. Do you breed success by staying away from that? That's what yes, you're saying. Exactly. So if we think about it in the DC area, let's think about areas like in deep Anne Arundel County or close to the Bay Bridge or even on the other side of the Bay Bridge. Yeah. Would you would you say that's like the new transcendent measure that they can do to in these small towns where it's not metro accessible, where you have to drive little ways to get there? Can that be a new way to build a new wrestling regime? Because basically you're talking about rural areas. Like, if you think about even the Charlotte, North Carolina area where I have families in, 
you're talking about maybe close to the South Carolina line where it's just nothing really there to make it accessible, but you got to make a route to go there. Is it worth seeing that type of show to drive that distance? Is that the new transcendent? What you want to do with these, not minor leagues, I would say, but like these independent type shows? Well, without knowing who's going to be on the card, that's tough to say. But but the overall, uh, you know, your question in, in general comes down to a matter of uh, value to you. Gotcha. Yeah, I love baseball and I travel the country to see baseball. Right. So do I need to see an MLB team or do I need to see baseball? Personally, mm. because I live in Washington, I can mm-hmm. catch the train down to Nationals Park and get a decent ticket for a fair amount. Right. But if I if I didn't, if they put a team in Silver Spring, which is closer to you know where I live, uh, but still in DC, if they put a team in Silver Spring, I would have season tickets because the value. We're going to the NXT show, two James and I, uh, sitting in different places. But we immediately jumped on NXT tickets because of the value of those tickets. He's sitting front row for under $100. I'm sitting um, dead center next to the ring on the second level for 20 bucks. So the point is, is that do I think, am I getting my money's worth going sitting front row in an NXT show, but that NXT show does not have the production value of Raw? So it really comes down to the end user uh, in the end. Now, as far as the, the location and stuff like that, well, I mean, MCW is Maryland Championship Wrestling, for those that don't know. And they usually run shows in Waldorf, which is a small town south of D.C., or uh, Joppa, which is a small town uh, north, halfway between Baltimore and Delaware. Could they have a show in Baltimore? Sure. But is that where their fan base is? And I think for the Young Bucks, it's no coincidence that they picked a city with, that has a great wrestling uh, you know, background, uh, that is a city that Ring of Honor serves regularly. It is a city that has uh, major uh, transit uh, implications as they have the second biggest airport in the world um, and a healthy uh, domestic airport. Uh, all the trains in the middle of the country stop in Chicago. The location, the headquarters I mean, so, of um, of the pro wrestling tees. There, well, um, that is that is a that is a plus two for their merch to yep. just physically print the shirts and bring the merch out twenty miles from the shop. Yeah, but I mean, if you can theoretically, you could drive in from Canada or you know down from Minneapolis and make a six or seven eight hour drive, or you could fly in. I mean, from anywhere in the country, Chicago is the middle of the country. So it does make sense. Logistically, it makes a lot of sense for it to be put there. Yeah. Because unless all of their fans were like Alaska, then you got to go where your fans are. And Chicago is a city that Ring of Honor serves that's in the middle of the country. Do we expect sponsors to be a part of this? Yes. And who? I I don't. Don't know. I agree. Don't know, but I expect it. I mean, when you got people like the Young Bucks, Cody Rose, we're not talking about any rookies here. We're talking about legit professional wrestlers that carry a name. Um, I, I expect some type of sponsorship to come along with it, um, regardless of what what it may be. Not sure what it will be yet, but I expect it. Well, I, I think with the show being self finance, uh, key and keyword self, I think the sponsorships are going to be fairly limited. Obviously. We're not going to see like Pepsi, you know, or Mountain Dew uh, sponsor the show or anything like that. But um, the, 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 the grab of the show is that the Young Bucks and Cody 
and the elite are putting this on. So it's their show for us. But don't forget that the sponsorships can even come in matches too. Like you might have just some type of, not random, but some type of sponsorship just for a match, even though it's not for the whole show. Sort of like what we what we do for Nova Pro Wrestling. I, I well, think my, my point is though, and real quick, my point is is that uh, think of the way they branded everything now. They've done everything almost exclusively through their YouTube channel. Uh, you know, the Young Bucks and their father is produces almost all of their music exclusively for their YouTube channel. So they have music. They have an outlet that has traction. They have the venue. Do they need sponsors? Obviously, if somebody's willing to give them money to do things, that's great. But the, the point is, is that I think they want to do it themselves. That's why everybody's all in. That's why I think that ticket sales, picking a 10,000 seat venue isn't just a random number. I think that's a, that's a cost effective metric that they're looking into. Do you think that's a do you think that's a big part of why Stephen Amell is part of this too? Considering that he has a a good financial backing, maybe um some support from the CW with this as well. Well, I mean, maybe, but realistically, we haven't heard uh, of whatever character he plays, and I forget it. Uh, you know, whatever that is. I mean, he's, he's he's wrestled a match with them. Uh, for, sure, but maybe. he hasn't wrestled. On behalf of the CW, he's wrestled as Steve from Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I get and that. And he's still his friend. So right, right. Which, which you know, that's still a thing that Cody's been on uh, Arrow and maybe the Flash. I think uh, too. So, uh, you know, I don't see why CW wouldn't give a blessing here to say or some type of want to get involved for any form of publicity. However, though, which is a really interesting thing, is what do we do about? Um, what do we do about uh, the promotion? Since this will be a live show, um, do we look? Do we do we expect for this to be streamed live or something, or um, no vi- video on on demand, or what? What, what are we expecting here? I think realistically, uh, if if I were them, I would not stream it live uh, because I think that devalues the product. You don't know what you're going to get from your first time, so I think it creates an extra special commodity when the only people that can see it as it happens are the 10,000. There's no sense of urgency um, to be there if, you know, like, you know that Wrestle Kingdom is going to be a thing, and you know that it's going to be at 2 in the morning. But you know that you don't have to wake up at 2 in the morning to see it. You Uh should because you want to watch it live. You want to live tweet with your friends and all that good stuff. But realistically, you know it's on DVR. So how important is it now? And I think if they're trying to fill seats, and the, again, remember, the point of this thing was to get a building that holds 10,000 seats to let everyone know that they're all in. So I think they're emphasizing the fact that you need to be there live, you need to be there in Chicago, get your tickets and whatever you need to do, uh, and make preparations to be in Chicago Labor Day weekend. And I think anything other than that, you know, I would argue that it devalues the product, that we don't know what it is yet, technically. Fair point. So, Arena holds 11,000. What do you feel is the measure of success here? I think anything other than 90% uh, sold, um, I think I think you can call it a sellout, because just because, because StubHub and third market uh, ticket sellers are a thing. So, we don't know how many actual butts will be in the seat. Um, how many times have WWE 
sold out, but it was 80% full. There were entire sections missing. So the Redskins, uh, the racist ass team, football team here in in Washington, (laughs) have been sold out for 35 years, but not really. So uh, that will, of course, be interesting as well. But I really think that they've done everything correct so far. The only thing that they need to do is start building matches. And because it doesn't matter, I, I could be all in, but if you're going to give me, you know, 50 year old Val Venus versus 60 year old Glacier as the main event, then I'm not all in for that. And obviously the, the whole, you know, dissolving of the bullet club and that, that deal and all that good stuff. Uh, but the question is if you're Ring of Honor or New Japan, do you let anything big happen there for them that should happen on their television? Yeah. Because if you're if you have if you're New Japan, you have an opportunity to cash in on this thing. And maybe you stream it live for them in Japan. But if you're Ring of Honor and you know that all in's gonna be a thing, you know, do you let a major storyline happen within the bullet club for a house show, basically? Yeah. You think and that's we gonna see, be interesting to see how that develops. Who do you, who else do you think we see on this show? I'm obviously announced now as uh Tessa Blanchard, uh Stephen Amell, and then um the American side of the Bullet Club. Yeah, I think uh Bullet Club West obviously shows up. That's the point of this thing. Yeah. Um Blanchard uh makes sense. I think uh Joy Ryan and um we're not Candace Lorray, obviously. But uh, with Joey Ryan's gonna, I think he's gonna play a part in it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. They're based in Chicago, and the Midwest is a hotbed of of a local federation. So may see some IWA guys, may see some freestyle freelance wrestling guys from Chicago. Do um, we see Flip Gordon probably too? Do we see anybody yeah, that's like a big name, like maybe? And I'm and I hate to be so cliche, but any like Chicago people Cena. like CM Punk. They lobby for him, but I doubt it. Okay. I doubt it. I mean, this well, is self-finance. So, you know, if you got, you're pulling a big name, then they're going to want to get something big out of it, you know? But I will right. say I this, mean, though. I think with confidence, we see Chris Jericho. Okay. That would be interesting also, because yep. Jericho is doing the Ring of Honor cruise in October. And all of um, them are on it. And everybody, yeah, everybody's on it, so... I think it, you know they may not go too far down the ladder as far as talent goes. We definitely won't be seeing Michael Elgin though. We, we will not see him. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, but, but the idea is, you know, as they're building their show, uh, this, the seeds have to be sprinkled during um, uh, their YouTube channel, yeah, which gives yeah. people incentive to watch. So one hand's kind of washing the other there, and I think that's pretty interesting as we have you know like six months to go before this thing starts yep yep um so it, what, what, okay so uh one other question before we uh switch to the topics with success with success of this how does this ultimately change the landscape of independent wrestling who or what do you see step up to take another self-finance move or something um really stepping out on the limb banking on themselves to do that's hard to say, though, because when you think about this, and, and once again, and I'm going to all put it back of one person, Cody Rhodes had a plan when he left WWE to make sure 
not only did he make himself marketable as an individual, but he joined the group as now he's making that group marketable. Now, I know he's not the only person that's behind this, but then you have to think, is somebody willing to give up a spot on a big-time company such as the WWE to do something on their own to build a market that can expand independent wrestling more? So could it be somebody like, hypothetically, a Daniel Bryan, that, hey, if WWE's not going to give me my spot, what I want to do as a wrestler, can I do something on my own? And it makes these wrestlers truly become independent uh, contractors more than what they already are. And it, you really don't know who that person could be. Like, who would have thought Cody Rose would have done this three years ago? You never would have thought. Um, so it's, it's really hard to say. But this is providing a landscape of opportunities for what wrestling could be moving forward. Now, now to be fair, when Cody left, the first thing he did was create a list. So Cody yep. has been marketing himself since the day he was allowed to be in public as a non-WWE talent. Yep. So I think that that was a thing. Now, obviously, you know, fast forward, what, two or three years, did you think that he would be um, a part of a, a self-finance uh, show, you know, for the wrestlers, by the wrestlers? Not maybe, at all. Maybe not. Yeah, um, and the other question is, did anybody think anybody had the balls to do this? Um, I think it was bound to happen. This? Yeah, because the Young Bucks, uh, you know, let, let's be let's be honest about this. Uh, the inroads that they've made with the Pro Wrestling Tees uh, merch deal, the Hot Topic merch deal, um, their uh, growing YouTube channel, which has like 125,000 subscribers. Um, and even though they've been able to uh, take what comes to them, Adam Cole, even for WWE, um, you know, the, the different stories and uh, Chris Jericho coming back and the different things that have been going down, uh, Cody joining and Marty Scurll joining and so on. Um, you know, realistically, it has been, they've been able to manage. And I think, and obviously, that's a great thing. But really, what it, what it comes down to as far as All In is concerned, what is success? If they get 10,000 people, but the show is only a three out of five, is that successful? If they get 6,000 people because of inclement weather, but the show is a 10, is that successful? So it's, it's really hard to say. And honestly, it's not like the independent scene is dying. It's, it's better than it's ever been, arguably. And, you know, maybe you know, they can take it, they, they can only go up from here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they, they know who their people, their, their people are. They know what their friends are and they know that they can do the work. That's never really been the issue. But really the only thing that they can't control is whether people are actually going to show up. I will say this. Um, they'll make an exclusive Bullet Club shirt only to be purchased at that event. It will yep. sell out. <laughs> it will sell out without a doubt. They've done it before. They've had that that Dave uh, Meltzer six star shirt that uh, Kenny Omega had on sale for like a hot second, completely sold out, never to be seen again. They'll do that, and yeah, just good marketing. Um, I think they'll do it, and I think Impact's going to have to look themselves in the mirror and say, "What are we going to do?" Who? What's that? Now? I don't even know what that is anymore. They're, well, they're still being creative. I will say that I'm very intrigued about this Impact versus uh, Lucha Underground. I think that will make some noise down uh, Mania weekend. Mm -hmm. um, they obviously um, have taken a step. I will. I, I was going to say back, but I will say forward with Twitch, uh, which has become 
very popular. They've really good numbers for them before. Um, and um, immediately after them being on TV. So, um, you know, I think this makes everybody, I think this is gut check for everyone now because they're going to look at this and say, oh, these guys did it. Now we got to figure out something to do. It's going to yeah. be like the copycat league, like the NFL. So, well, I think the difference, like, I think Impact and, and obviously the Young Bucks are on a different level. The Young Bucks are trying to self finance one show, Impact's trying to get eyes back on their product forever. Um, you know, and that's the thing. I think the margin for success for the Young Bucks is actually very low. If the show fails, they just go back to Ring of Honor and do work. Well, they just go back to uh, and, and just keep doing the things they did and say, hey, we tried. And if it's a success, they'll do it again, but do it better. So versus Impact, where it's like they need to figure out how to be on TV. <laughs> you know, I mean, like they're on Twitch and then they're on like, you know, the Pumpkin Channel, you know, Channel mm-hmm. 9007. And I'm like, <laughs> when does Impact come on? So Impact's on right now, by the way. It is? What, what, yes. cha- what channel? What channel? I will turn to it right now. Pop. It's on right now. I don't even know what, what Pop is, is on my Verizon channel. Yeah, it's on right in front of me. Um, so anyway, let's move on to the next subject. So uh, WWE has... Um, well, there's been this... Okay. There's been a lot of chatter about WWE introducing new belts, uh, maybe redesigning belts, just belt talks in general. Um, nonetheless, um, over this week, um, a new belt has been announced uh, in NXT, which is going to be the North American uh, Championship belt. I want to make sure I quoted that right. And I know it's North American. I think it's North American Championship belt, uh, which will debut at NXT TakeOver New Orleans um, in a five-way match, I believe. Um, I'm going to check all this all over again. One second. Um and then there's been rumors going on that uh, 205 Live will be debuting uh, a tag team division uh, with tag team belts. So this conversation that we're going to talk about now is, uh, you know, is more belts a good thing? How should it be used? Um, the 205 Live thing, if it is to come about, um, would that actually bring more attention to the division? Um, and just anything else we got to bring to this. Uh, so, uh, so I'll start off with you because you made a comment last week about um, uh, actually introducing another a, a new belt. So with that mm-hmm. being said, what, what is your vision on this? So, I, I mean, with this vision, honestly, for a smaller show like NXT, you don't need to overload yourself with, with too many belts. And granted, I, I think the gimmick of what they're trying to do in introducing this belt, I understand. But I would like to introduce it for a number one contender because if you do this, you, what you're going to do is you're going to dilute your NXT product where you're going to have a mid-card to a mid-card. And what I mean by that is if you have a mid-card belt on a mid-card show, it's going to be such a longer time for that mid-card player to become a full-time, big-time shot on main-time programming like a Raw SmackDown. And it just seems like, for example, think of a Bobby Roode, think of the Shinsuke Nakamura. They were the top guys they were in NXT. But as soon as they got on, on their main shows, even um, Samoa Joe, they have been nothing more than a mid-card spot that cannot get over. And That's the reason not fair. Why, because Joe's been hurt. But even though Joe's been hurt, when Joe was healthy, he still wasn't going beyond a certain point. 
Like, and that was bad timing because Braun Strowman came up. Yeah, that's true. But that shows how loaded WWE is. And as far as Braun having a champion like a part-timer like Brock Lesnar, it's still not fair because it's only going to be one or two people that can get in that spot. Now, like I said, Joe had his time of great balls of fire. But right after that, did Joe have a time during SummerSlam? No, it was a whole new different picture. So basically, you're spending like all this time to build up Joe for one spot that was never fully achieved. And now he's going to have to go back to the mid-card where he's facing like Seth Rollins. And now you see them competing for the IC title. So it's, it's just re- a really hard thing where you're kind of burying your talent even more, introducing more belts. I don't think you're necessarily burying talent, and I, but uh, uh, but I do generally agree with what you're saying. I think in NXT, um, the first thing is the reason why there shouldn't be another title there is because everyone has a chance to be a champion. Um, everyone to get a shot at least, because a guy like Sami Zayn, uh, a guy like Adrian Neville, a guy like Bo Dallas, did they have championship worthy gimmicks in NXT? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously so, because they want it. But realistically, they're not Samoa Joe. They're not Bobby Roode. They're not Nakamura. Hell, even Johnny Gargano had a championship. You know, would, would Johnny Gargano be a champion in NXT if there were a mid-card title? It's hard to say. Uh, would Velveteen Dream, who I think is in that championship conversation in NXT right now, and, and, because and, of the work that he's doing. And, and just just. But Just to clarify, it, it's going to be a six-man ladder match, which will include Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Killian Dane, L- Laura Selvian, Sullivan, Ricochet, and EC3. And this, and, and, that's, and again, it's the North American Championship, right? And my, but my point is, is that that's a champ. That's that should be an NXT Championship match. So. I don't, I don't. I'm not. I'm not convinced that um, a North American Championship in NXT should go to your top stars. But do right. they have anybody in NXT that's not a top star? So, so with that being said, um, since it is happening, what, how would how would you like it to be handled then? Or what would you what would you what do you think is is the method of handling it? Considering that everybody I just named are top stars, without right. a doubt, they can definitely be in the picture. Um, for the NST Championship, which that match will be uh, Aleister Black versus um, uh, Andrade Cien Amis. So, um, what does that mean? What is what does this extra belt mean to you? As far as like how it, w- you you project for it to be used? Honestly, I think this belt is only for one person and one person only. And that's EC3. And the reason why you want to do that is because you want to rebuild him for what he did in, in Impact Wrestling rebuild him back to what you want him to be in WWE and build him up to be that next mega superstar. I think Ricochet's too small if you're talking about being on 205 Live. I think Velveteen Dream is not the spotlight for him because I feel like he can do it on his own without a title. Um, And I think the really person that you want to build up is EC3 because EC3 has that look. EC3 has the charisma of wanting to be that grand champion where he can get all those mid-card titles. He can get the NXT title. I'm talking about branching the NXT and the main roster titles all together and, and build him up to be that superstar, and he's still young enough to do that. Um, and, I, and I think it's a cheap way to do it, but it's a more solidified where if you want to put EC3 at the top of your map, 
you do that by saying, oh, he's the first person that ever won the North American Championship. He's an NXT champion. He's won the tag team U.S., et cetera. And I, I think that's why you do that. Well, let me ask you this, though. Um, and obviously, it's going to happen regardless, so it doesn't you know, really matter. The point is moot. But basically, by, by building EC3 as a champion, you have just relegated the other competitors to the mid-card scene. Yep. And that's that's the double-edged sword with that. Because you're saying that, well, EC3 is definitely a champion, but he's definitely not Manny Andrade. And, honest, and, no. that's, and that's another thing, too. Would Manny Andrade be ever be NXT champion if there were a mid-card title? So that's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my point about that. So my- I, don't see, I, don't see, I don't see any of those guys. I don't see Gargano, Andrade, Velveteen Dream. When they get to the main roster, they will never, probably never, uh, see a championship match. Yep, so my, my my two cents on it is, um, uh, excuse me, is NST has been doing one hell of a job in signing some of the top talent on the independent scenes right now. With more rumored to be coming in, um, and it's taking yeah. it's taking a while. He's already signed, you know that. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so you know it's taking a while for some of these people to make their debut. Um, onto the television product, which in in theory, that's the form of debuting is when you're seen on the network. Um, because some of these people get signed, Ricochet signed, and immediately was put on uh one of their house shows or one of their tour shows. If you're gonna use this belt for anything of any significance, this should be the belt that can change hands at full sale today, then go down to St. Petersburg the next day and change his hand considering that we know that the NST championship isn't going to do that. So you do have your NST champion competing at these shows. They are, they are the attraction. They are the head of the product, but you know that it's never going to happen just because of the fact of what the belt is supposed to mean and the prestige behind it, considering that it's your forefront in your television uh, production. So this belt right here, I think should definitely be one of those belts where it's like, um, house shows um, and sto- storylines that's on the house shows and stuff like that, where this belt can uh, serve as significance and um, and direction and storylines for for that. And also too, with new signees coming about, they would to automatically insert themselves into story roles and, and and relevance right away. So let I mean, me let me ask this two 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 James. I'm sorry, I mean interrupt. What that here. what you just being said. Would that make NXT a requirement to be a one hour, a one and a half hour, or two hour show now? Oh God, no! No, to be honest, to be honest, NXT on the network, it means nothing to me. I watch whenever I watch. Mm-hmm. I'm watching live. I mean, it's already been spoiled on Twitter <laughs> in the first place. So, um, I watch NXT because of the fact that I want to see a good match. I definitely don't watch it for storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, even coming up to uh, NXT TakeOver New Orleans, um, I, I see matches and, and things manifesting, but it's happening on TV, which I've already heard about it, uh, whatever happened when it was taped a week or two ago. So right, it is what it is, but no, I mean, uh, keep it an hour, <laughs> point blank. Um, well, also, let me, let me just, also, too. Uh, let me just real quick about the, about the title itself. Um, I do think that um, the NXT North American title, if it's going to be a mid-card title, 
do you think that it should be for actual mid carters like a Oni Lorcan or maybe one of the authors of pain or uh, maybe a Killian Dane type? I mean, yes. I don't really consider it a mid-card belt. I just consider it just another belt. Yes, it's not the NXT Championship belt, which is the, the well, top of the plateau. Well, if you're not that, then you're, you're here. Right, exactly, exactly. No, what, I guess what I'm looking at it is that, um, again, it's just another belt that this can be booked different. The NXT belt comes with the, cli- the cliche of the big takeovers and the TV production where this belt comes with the it may switch hands at any time or um, uh, Roger Strong could take it to 205 Live because now 205 Live is announcing that this person's from NXT and the WWE website is also saying, well, how is he work? You know, breaking down his story of him working 205 Live and working NXT being, a, be, you know, a dual head competitor Um and I think, you know, that belt should be able to carry in the sense of what I thought the UK belt would have been doing that isn't. Honestly, it's a wishful I, think, thinking. I think that that should be the case with all of their belts. Right. The oh, universal, sure. There should be one universal champion that should go to any show that he wants and challenge everyone that he wants. Yep. I think that there should be a UK champion that runs the UK scene. And when Raw gets to London, they, they have a UK title match uh, and maybe at special events in the U.S., the North American champion can do that same thing too. The Intercontinental champion, which arguably is right under the Universal title because you can America and Europe, uh, should do that. WWE is trying to branch out worldwide. It would be interesting to see if their belts actually reflected the territory that they are champion of. I feel you. Okay, so moving on from the NST, uh, the new belt. So the rumor has been that 205 Live will be introducing a tag team belt. Um, with everything being said, do we need that? Nope. What's your thoughts More on it? Is- or, what else? or whatever. It's just going to overly crowd the scene. I mean, it, it, just because you can do enough belts doesn't mean you should do it. And it's just going to overcrowd, you know, the scene. And once again, like 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 Crab just said, you, you, you're going to put a hierarchy on 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 what's what's legit, what's not legit, and if you're not using those belts or using the performers with those belts the right way, then you're not. Like, like for example, take The Miz. And once again, yes, I'm using The Miz. The Miz is great, but The Miz will always be locked in that mid-card having that IC title if he has it and is always revolved around it. Now, Roman Reigns had it, but you see he got rid of it to go right back to Brock. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's like you put a cap on somebody's career once they're at that level well, you have somebody here that's universal and somebody here that's in the continental. My two cents is... Well, I, I want to agree with that, but we think oh, you got are some of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. Does that put them at a different level than like a Roman Reigns who's like a four-time you, you know, heavyweight champion? Okay, well, uh, you just saying I, that. You know, think, think Roman Reigns I think and that's Roddy not Ryan necessarily Piper. fair. Uh, Goldberg. One of the best U.S. champions in, in of all time in WCW. Does that put him up there with Ric Flair? Uh, no, I don't think that's a fair comparison. So, history's got a lot to say about that. 
My whole thing is 205 Live need anything to get more excitement for them. I mean, um, at live shows, people are leaving because uh, we know the talent is there. Without a doubt, um, the new regime seems to be bringing more interest. I'm surely it's surely not paying off dividends. I'm um, at live shows. Um, apparently, it's doing better views on the network, but a tag team division so that you know you look at people who lost in this tournament. You're like, now what? Buddy Murphy just got introduced to 205 Live. He lost to um, Mustafa Ali, and it's just like, dag. You know, he got momentum with the debut. Now, what's up for him? So you know. Considering building a tag team division gives a lot of purpose to people who aren't doing anything. And also, too, like, you got people like, oh, we don't have anything to do with uh, the Lucha House Party dudes, uh, Grand Metallic and uh, what's his name? So we're going to let them work a match with two people They're gonna job that's going to job against them? I mean, they deserve better than that. So I guess, in other words, you put, you, you put the championship belts there and, you know, you, you serve as another secondary purpose for that division. Well, well let me ask you this. Um, uh, and I'll get to the tweet in a second, but they're, they've brought back the Dusty Rhodes Classic in NFC. Should there be another Cruiserweight Classic for 205 Live? Uh, yes, because the Cruiserweight Classic has success. Not one year has the Dusty Rhodes Classic been any bit of successful to me. I don't think it's done. I don't think it's done its, its job ever in either showcase. Uh, besides Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, are the only ones in the fact of introducing either new tag teams or tag teams who haven't given the spotlight to put them on a showcase to display what they can do to elevate them above and beyond. Other than that, no one, because TM sixty one right now is a hot box full of talent. That yeah. still, still, still hasn't been given the, the platform they deserve. I, I, I'll say this. I know I have to get ready to go soon. I'll say this. I don't think you need another classic or anything like that unless, like, you kind of mentioned two teams. If you're building that classic for building a standard of what you want those wrestlers to be once you sign them. Because in the Cruiserweight Classic, what do we have? About 10 people, really, that we can count on our hands that we really remember? The rest of them were not signed or just a one-time experience. Now, if this is something where it's like a one-time event where you don't expect these guys to get signed, but it's just a WWE wrestling event that's hosting all these independent wrestlers, that's one thing. But if you're expecting these, these uh, classics to move into a different foundation of what you want them to build as WWE superstars, then I don't need another one of those. Because if you only take 20 to 30% of your roster or that classic, to be on your roster to actually do something, to me, that's a bad ratio. That's a waste of time because you'll never see these wrestlers again on a WWE program. Well, on the contrary, the Classic wasn't supposed to be a field of people that were going to sign. It was a display of talent from all over the world. Gotcha. Everyone who participated in, in the May Young Classic or um, the Cruiserweight Classic can now officially say that they were contestants in it, which also ultimately helps in bookings, publicity, and recognition. Sure. Sure. So they, I would rather them do that than be a uh, local talent that gets squashed by Nia Jax. <laughs> so get paid. Okay, let me, let me ask you this before before you go, real quick. Yes, sir. Uh -huh. um, remember King of the Ring, and remember how King of the Ring for that month, and I want to say it was June. Mm -hmm. All of June, they built up to King of the Ring. They had qualifying matches, they had storylines yes. and all that stuff. Yes. Why not take the month of August? on 205 Live, 
and just make the four shows that you get a week uh, on 205 Live your tournament where the winner faces the champion. Uh, and then they I can go that. with the storylines. perfect sense. Right, right. So I'm saying, like, I don't, like, let the spirit of the classic leave because you still have to have qualifying matches. And then you have the Cruiserweight Classic itself, which could be a pay-per-view. I mean, that was too much. I agree totally. And I wish they went back to that formula that they did in the Attitude Era, but it seems like they got away with that, especially when, like, William Regal won his King of the Ring and other components, where it was more of a a storyline gimmick more than a wrestling showcase. Yeah, and one would argue that, uh, well, King of the Ring, we saw what it did for Steve Austin. Uh, King Booker. uh, The best best king ever. Best king ever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know what? One of my favorites. So, I mean, like, they're definitely storyline implications, but the point is, instead of just having guys go out and do, you know, their, their spots or whatever and, and maybe half-ass storylines and, and all that good stuff, you know, the king of the ring-like cruiserweight tournament could definitely be, and of course the champion is, you know, the champion. Right. You know, Let's... if the champion loses, we have a new champion at the end of the month. Right. Let's get to that tweet before we uh, uh, um, complete right. this. Uh... Um, this topic. So SES Scoops tweeted out that WWE will be intru- could be introducing a cruiserweight tag team title after WrestleMania. Uh, Hurricane Helms said uh, responded to that by saying, "Hey, might I suggest a trios championship, which is a six man uh, tag team championship for 205 Live? Uh, you already have two sets of tag team champions of SmackDown and Raw and, and, and NXT. Let them do something differently. I agree." Salas? Yeah, I agree. And you say it all the time to change. WWE loves their threes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I would love it. I would love it because that could bring a whole new factions that you could bring in. That could bring a whole new type of culture of wrestling. Because when you think of the Shield, you think of the club, you think of those things, and then you could build those three-man teams, thinking of New Day. Um, you, you can have really something going there. And I really think that could be something strong and move in something different because if you're going to put all these six-man tags, make it a reason. Have a belt for it, but have a belt for it in a different type of way. I like the idea. Um, yeah. But to be continued, guys, I, I know we're always going to you know, keep up a chat later. I'll, I'll be back next week. But um, definitely hope, hope like, with these if, – if you're going to make a change, like Crab said, make, make those changes for a reason. Um, make, it, make it sufficient. Make it about the wrestling and try to build up on it by having the qualifying matches and and what you could do to build up those superstars, because you made a great point. What it did for Steve Austin, what it did for King Booker, it will definitely do good for um, these other up-and-coming performers that can really take these independent wrestlers and make them big-time stars, whether it's NXT or WWE, regular programming, Raw and SmackDown. Look, considering the fact that they don't even know what they're going to do with the bar at WrestleMania, a tag team belt, your tag team champions for Raw, and then you got the New Day uh, facing the Usos again. They work great together. I get it. But considering the fact that you do have your main roster tag team belts, not sure what they want to do with it. Why not give a new flavor to it and bring in the, the, the trios champion? Um, it's working hella great in New Japan and ROH. Very intriguing. Very fun matches. Um, different spots that the WWE has not even been able to execute. Uh... And considering you want to put this on 205 Live, I mean, that is, that's money in the bank right there if they, if they was to ever pull the trigger on that. I think that's a one heck of a idea by uh, the Hurricane. 
Yeah, man. Uh, shout out to the Hurricane for, for coming up to that. I, I, I 100% agree, and I would love to see. I would actually, I would get the network, honestly. I don't subscribe to it. I don't really watch WWE anymore. But if you, if you gave me, like, legit cruiserweights in a, uh, in a, in a trio setting, then yeah, I'm down. I'm, I'm down immediately. So uh, get it done, WWE. Um, I, I hope, and I hear that 205 Live has been radically better. Uh, in the last uh, few weeks, so that is you know pretty awesome to hear. I'm just gonna find that tweet right now and go ahead and retweet that. It was on March 7th that he he set up. Okay, they oh. got some tweets about Rich Swan there. We will talk about it in a little bit. We'll get to our last topic um, before we get down to the uh, rumors and other quick fast discussions. Um. Well, this man's been tweeting all day, apparently, so I won't be finding that. Well, stand back. It's a hurricane coming through. <laughs> I got to say that uh, while we're talking about the hurricane, uh, him as the hardcore champion and the shenanigans backstage with the the, uh, the effects of the wind blowing past the camera is absolutely some of the greatest things ever. I like if there's any belt that I want back, bring the hardcore championship back and how it was just defended by any means. Like, you know, the theory of how the money in the bank probably could be, which would be kind of fun too. If you can just start a match anywhere or any stipulation, that'd, that'd be pretty good. Um, so Woken Matt Hardy oh, God. is in the WWE. After keeping Hootie and the Blowfish, TNA, Impact Wrestling afloat uh, with something totally different from WWE for a while uh, until they were finally uh, released and did their little world tour on the indies, going to ROH and so and so. They uh, finally found their way to WWE where they returned as Team Extreme. Throughout tons and tons of legal battles and all that other battling back and forth with who has the rights to the woking Matt Hardy gimmick. WWE finally had some resolve, which then they debuted Broken. I'm sorry, Woken Matt Hardy recently, which um it almost seemed it almost seemed like poor to justice that he was gonna feud with Bray Wyatt. Let's take a let's let's take a little trip back where they did the um total nonstop deletion, which happened in Cameroon, North Carolina, at the Hardy's uh uh what do they call it? The Hardy what Kent Foundation? It's, it's oh, the compound. compound, there we go. Uh where we saw them face numerous tag teams throughout the different times in history and wherever else they said. Including the ugly ducklings and the sandwich squad. So that's right. Shout out to them for surviving that. That's right. And, um, you know, while this happened, they made challenges to say anyone in the world in tag team wrestling meet us here for it, which was just bananas because they didn't care. They, they went to all way to face the, the Young Bucks and beat them for their championships. I mean, it was the hottest thing going on in the Indies about last time this year. Um, I'm sorry, about two years ago now. Uh, last yeah, year. 2016. Yeah, because they made their debut last year, WrestleMania around this time. So it's finally happening. And 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 as of uh last week, Matt Hardy challenged Bray Wyatt to come down to Cameroon, North Carolina, which would be the ultimate deletion, which um rumors has it is being recorded today at 
um, at the Hardy's compound. So we sort of, what was it called? The House of Horrors thing that the wives tried to do? WWE. Oh, God, was it horrible? Oh, it was a House of Horrors. Besides that Bailey segment, that was the second worst segment ever in WWE of that year. Oh, I love Bailey segment. No, no one did. I did. Anytime, <laughs> anytime that you got you give Alexa Bliss ten minutes of my time, it's a good day. That was, <laughs> nonetheless, um, it's happening. So, um, I, just just topic about it is what do we expect? How much of it do we? Feel is going to capture the same magic that it captured in TNA. What are the implications that we're not thinking about here? Um, this is an open discussion. What, what's your thought? So I, um, I thought I watched Raw a couple weeks ago and saw Matt Hardy uh, do his thing, and I immediately thought this was like watching the second Blair Witch Project. The first one, <laughs> great, shot for like twenty bucks in a ham sandwich. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere, Maryland, uh, near Frederick, and they had an idea, they had a camera, and they made it work, and it grossed two hundred fifty million dollars, and it was a smash. And then a couple of years later, they came back and made like the Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Project Two, and they had an idea, they had a, a hell of a lot more money, and it absolutely was terrible. It was the same thing that you had seen before, with better production value. But it just wasn't the same. And I think seeing Woken Man Hardy, which pains me to say, it's not the same. There was a campiness to Impact Wrestling uh, because Impact Wrestling in and of itself was hideously unprofessional. Uh, we didn't know what Impact was going to do because we didn't know if they would be there next week. Um, you know, Impact Wrestling reminded me of ECW in their last six months of existence uh, before WWE bought them out. So there was a lot of underlying theories, um, the sentiment with Impact and in and of itself and with uh, the Hardys doing their thing. So much so the Impact had to say hell with it. You can have a show. We'll just give you an hour. Go make magic. <laughs> you, know, you can't do that ever. And I think with the House of Horrors thing, which was arguably uh, their answer to total nonstop deletion, um, the um, no, the thing they did with the New Day uh, in that field or whatever the hell that was. I was fine with that. Um, that wasn't as good as it should have been, considering that that was their response to total nonstop deletion. Wait, 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 wait. Well, you're you're bringing up a lot of good a, a lot of good things. Let's let's take one step back real quick. You're saying that they're not, they're not, they're not going to be able, WWE's not going to be able to do that, and you say because of the fact that TNA sort of say, "Hey, we want to give you, we we want to give you, we want we want you to spearhead this idea that you got going on." So, do you think this is a creative thing, or this is more of a like, "Hey, I'm a ball on a budget" type of thing? What what is the method of why TNA was able to uh, impact, was able to capture the magic with it? And I mean, obviously, you can state the obvious if you feel like, you know, I had to do with the hardest creative or whatever. But why do you feel like the first try work? And then now when you have WWE backing production, um, probably more money in the bank to play with that you feel like it's not going to happen now. Because, again, I, I this is my two cents. 
the House of Horrors thing was dangerously a ripoff of what they wanted to do from Total Nonstop Deletion. They, you know, they traded likely. They didn't want to get into no legal battles with that, knowing that the Hardys are closely playing attention. Um, but now that they have the Hardys on their side, they have the Hardys genius on their side and and um and their mindset and um and obviously the the brothers and the, the wives and everybody else who had anything to do with it um to come to the table to maybe support this idea and also bring in ideas uh but with a bigger budget why is it that it can't happen now it's not that it can't happen it's just that it won't happen because wwe micromanages everything um what when you catch lightning in a bottle and then you send that bottle off to walmart it may be the same bottle but it's not as special because you can just buy it from Walmart. And WWE is the Walmart of wrestling. So the long and short of it is, is that the, the Hardys, given like you gotta take into account their situation. They were the only thing really going in, in, in TNA. And no disrespect to anybody else that's a fan of TNA that, that actually watches the show and, and good for you. But nobody gave a good goddamn until the Hardys really took off and started cutting YouTube promos and did that whole thing with the with the piano in their house. Very true. I mean, they they literally Reby and you know her father and the family just had this crazy idea, similar to I don't know the Young Bucks, and did a thing and had this big ass house because the Hardy because Team Extreme was bank you know twenty years ago, and they made it work. And honestly. Do you think the Young Bucks with the B and the Elite and all that stuff, take the Bullet Club aside out of it, would the Young Bucks be the Young Bucks in WWE? Probably not, because I don't think that it would be given the creative freedom to do whatever they damn well pleased. I think you've seen a side of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is the best Lex Luthor I've seen on television since the mid-90s. <laughs> no argument but, there. No but, argument but there. But that role that he's playing and that, you know, villainous – manipulating, you know, type of thing that he's playing, he hasn't been able to do that, even as a heel in WWE. Yeah. Even as, you know, the um, uh, with the mask on and all that good stuff. Let's not for, talk about Stardust. <laughs> but, yeah, let's not talk about that. But the idea is, is that it's the creative control. And WWE has an idea and they have a narrative and you have to go out and perform their narrative. They're going to give you the run sheet, but you've got to go out there and do what they say, which yeah. may work or it may not work. Because if you have Bray Wyatt in a House of Horrors match on paper, that sounds very interesting. And then what we got was a projection of cockroaches. Now, oh, okay. Now, now let's, yeah, oh God. Now let's, let's, let's think about this a little bit deeper. Um, the... Total nonstop deletion was a tag team thing. Now this, now that this is a one on one you versus me was, type of wasn't thing. Wasn't that tag team Apocalypto? Yeah, well, even I thought Total nonstop deletion was like Lashley versus EC3 in like a two hour long. Um, oh yeah, uh, you're right. 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 Um, again, well, again, to my point, still is that there was other figures involved. We don't have the Wyatt family anymore. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers um, probably should make a cameo here. Um, and uh, obviously, Jeff is hurt. Um, so do you think that the fact that this was on TNA, whatever budget, and it breeded the same success in WWE, 
Bray Wyatt versus Broken Matt Hardy could possibly make magic beyond belief here? I think absolutely. But if they let if they let Matt Hardy direct, and nobody's gonna sit up there and say that Bray Wyatt isn't a good character. He's a damn good character. Yeah. But why yeah. is he so chronically misused? And I think that's largely because Bray Wyatt doesn't have an opportunity to be his character. At first, he started off as like this crazy cult leader, you know, eating coyote bones in the middle of the desert, like drawing star charts and shit like that in the sand. And you're going like, he's crazy, but I like him. And now he's like some, you know, he's like the gator off of Princess and the Frog. Like he's just some crazy Southern guy that just needs his meds and to leave that damn lantern alone. It's it's not it's not the same thing anymore. Where did Bray Wyatt go wrong? And is that his fault? And that's where we are with him. And I think with Matt Hardy, the fact that he's woken and, and all that good stuff, okay, fine. Let's see where it goes. And where has it gone? He hasn't been able to cut the promos, uh, the, the the pre-tape promos with the special effects that he does on um, YouTube. But the problem is with the, there's a campiness thing that the Hardys have that that's purposely bad. Nobody likes the tag team Apocalypto because it was a five-star match in a wrestling match. They like it because Ricky Morton got shot off a goddamn volcano. <laughs> so true. Well, I don't know. This is definitely one of those things where let's just wait and see. Um, not equally excited as I was for tag team Apocalypto where I knew it was going to be great. Um, ho- hopefully, considering that this is shot off campus of WWE's land and the shot on Matt Hardy on the Hardy's compound on their ground on their property that they will have a lot to say um and influence on this considering that his wife will be right there his kids um um his you drone his drone is resurrected to, to, and not, not to cut you off but honestly if you if you think about it uh tag team a tag team uh apocalypto and total nonstop deletion is in and of itself, the precipice of an event like All In. Not to say that the Young Bucks are stealing anything. No, absolutely not. But if they started off small, it was one match, and then it turned out to be one show. And now the Young Bucks have turned it into one event. And I think that if you want to say the landscape of wrestling that's been changed, that should change wrestling. I don't care who you were in the U.S. If you spoke English, you were talking about the Hardys doing some craziness. Vanguard One had it as a Twitter account and T-shirt. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to send your Benjamin T-shirt for a while. Yep. So, very, it, very rarely do you catch lightning in a bottle, and they did it with James Ellsworth, and they let it go. Yep, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, yeah, that's our three uh, hot topics for the night. Uh, what do we got to get down on our last? Uh, all right, so quick real quick, let's just let's just bust through this. Um, a couple of things with Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I generally don't care about Dolph Ziggler anymore, and it's not because he's a bad guy. Um, he may be a bad boyfriend, but then again, that's not my problem. Uh, that's what Twitter to decide. I do think that Ziggler is underused. I think that he has been misused a lot, and honestly, I think that Ziggler should have been a multi-time champion already um, instead of like off of a fluke one night um, and it went a money in the bank cash in. 
But with that said, why are you still here if you're not going to do anything? I do believe that there are people that are legitimately just stealing checks from WWE. They show up, they do their job, they go home. Wrestling is an art. They're not necessarily painting anything, so why are you here? And Ziggler said he could cut a promo on Twitter, which apparently since 205 Live is um, since um, talking smack is a thing. Uh, that's what you do. That's what you do now. But he cut a promo basically saying that how he's going to win uh, at, at the six pack challenge at Fastlane. Uh, he insulted everyone and whatever. And it talked about how WWE is holding him back, which I think is interesting because A, he's right. And B, I think he would be the biggest surprise if he did win at Fastlane. Between Cena, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Boar and Corbin, who is still there somehow, um, I think you know maybe this is the time to, to pull the trigger on a Dolph Ziggler title run. They did it with Jinder Mahal, and they gave him damn near a year. Why? Why wouldn't you do Ziggler? Cena's you know over. He can do whatever he wants. AJ Styles is over. Um, Sami and Kevin. That's a thing that will always reinvent itself. Baron Corbin should never be champion ever. But why not Ziggler and why not now? So I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to think that um, that this would be the case. One other thing that I saw that was interesting, he was he did an interview with Isaac Wenzel. Uh, it's called All Things Wrestling Radio. And he said, and I quote, I will say that I really begged and pleaded for a couple months to be off the television show because no matter how good, I am, or what I'm up to, it seems that 99 times out of 100, I would lose. I didn't think that I deserved to be on a TV show if I was someone that was losing every night, so I asked to be taken off. I was hoping this was maybe for six months or a year, and it ended up being four weeks. Let me ask you this. Uh, I think that Ziggler's right to be asked to be taken off if he's not going to, you know, really, they really have anything for him. But WWE has fired people for not having any work for him. They literally fired James Ellsworth for that reason. Why do you think Ziggler's still in WWE? I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I read this um, article earlier, and um, you know, it makes sense. Uh, Sympathize one for a little bit, but I, I don't know. I mean, he's a good, he's a, he's a good worker. Um, he's been pretty safe. Uh, he hasn't, he hasn't been hurt. Um, arguably, still one of the biggest pops in WWE history in the night he cashed the money in the bank. Uh, maybe there's yeah. bigger plans for him. I heard he got that big lucrative contract, so uh, there's something with that. But I don't know. What maybe they see HBK 2.0 in him, like we, you know, we teased them about uh, for years before. So you know, may maybe that's it. You, you know. So I I, I agree with you. Um, I I really do hope for the best for Ziggler because he's actually you know <clears throat> I think he's actually got uh, the short end of the stick sometimes. Um. Yeah. Rich Juan, uh, you know, son of uh, Baltimore, your favorite city. Uh, what were you doing at three this morning? In my second, uh, just about to enter room sleep. So right. So Rich Juan was up at three a.m. and he said, "After all the bookings I've taken, I'm so scared that if I step in to step in the ring, but I can't wait." LOL. Uh, but after there, I will be. After they're done. T-H-E-R-E, -E, because, you know, Baltimore, 
uh, I will be retiring. Thank you for your thank you for taking the chance on my name. And then about three or three and a half hours later at 645 in the morning, he says, damn, I lost the dream job. Well, even though I'm going to be blown up as fuck, I can't wait to wrestle again. Now, there's two things with this. A, which one is either uh, his Twitter got hacked or B, he's pulling a Shannon Sharp and he's on that black and miles and yak hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just on that Baltimore water. Uh, you know, once you drink that uh, Inner Harbor water one time, man, you just start mutating. Your hair get like that and you say all types of crazy stuff. So I see no wrong here. But I will say this, though. Seriously, if there's a lot of mentors all over the world for every scenario, he need to go talk to someone because if you ain't been charged for anything, you're feeling guilt. And and obviously he got into a Twitter battle with some other person um, for whatever reason. Why? I guess uh, Swamp threw a subtweet and somebody instantly knew it was about him. Um, yeah, you can't be worried about that stuff, man. Like you may you you got into a, a situation, you handle it, or you guys handle it the way you handle it. The law got involved. You guys are got to quit it. You guys are still together. Um, you're comfortable in your skin. You can't be scared to make your money now. The world doesn't end for you. Um, so the whole retirement thing, you can't. You know, a lot of times people threaten retirement too early in their in their in their career, especially in their prime. Uh, people start to wonder, um, is there other things going on? So, you know, you don't help yourself by making those type of uh, you know announcements or or such on Twitter. So. At this point now, it's one of those like, hey, hey, please, you know, get the help that you need. Consult with your wife um, and other mentors that you, you know, you dealt with in the past to get you where you got to at a point uh, to get you back where you need to be. OK, let's uh, let's switch gears real quick and, and move on to some more NXT news. Um, uh, yes, it has been reported that they did uh, release Abby Lath, also known as Kimberly, on the um Indie Circuit and uh, Sage Beckett, uh, and that you know that does happen. Uh, I think that um, as a wrestler, you once you move into an organization, you know they have a, a a setup. They have a you know it's part of a team, and if you can't play for that team, then you need to find a new one. So selfishly, hopefully this brings Kimberly back to this area on the indie scene sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely needs to happen. Unfortunately. It won't be this weekend at the um, All Women's Nova Pro Show, which, yeah, which we'll definitely talk about in a, in a second. Uh, but as far as NXT goes, they're already talking about Velveteen Dream and Ricochet starting the program together. EC3 has uh, rumored to made his debut for NXT um, in a big, big way. We still haven't seen Dijak. We still haven't seen Leo Rush, and that's been. I'm going to say about a good four or five months since we heard that they went going down to Florida. Do you think that NXT is getting too crowded? Like they're, they're rumored to have a secondary belt. Um, do you think that they're trying to trim the fat with NXT? No, I, it's fine. Uh, granted, again, um, it's a good platform, a good destination for people to be at. Um, one central place for them to train and to work and um, not too crowded. They just needed something to do with it. Um, and I think this is why my argument with the belt works here. So I would love to see 
uh, recently signed Dijak put right into a picture the worker program with whoever was right before him. Or maybe, you know, Dijak, you know, gets into this picture with this belt. Keith Lee gets signed. You automatically get magic with them within the first month. I tell you this, though. If they don't show these, you know, these, you know, um, the belt being defended on the network, but you're you're hearing rumors as to, oh, Dijak is your new um, uh, North American champion who will be facing a debut in uh, Keith Lee at St. Petersburg NXT show. Right. I guarantee you that the traveling indie fans will be traveling <laughs> to see this. And their live NXT shows that they're having, there will be without a doubt people saying, "Oh, I will go up to Joppa for this," <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, no, that definitely is the case. I mean, uh, while uh, Dijak and all of those guys have been down in NXT uh, before they made the television debut, I am interested in going down to Florida, to Tampa, or so for a uh, an NXT Florida house show. I mean. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Donovan Dijak, because, man. Because uh, and again, because we know Full Sail gets the live show, um, and because it's it it it, it brings you the most fully, um, it, it gives you the whole experience of an NST show when you go to Full Sail. But if you go to like Lakeland, maybe you make it half the people, even though it's like a, a hour drive for them. You make it half the people to come up from the Orlando area, you know, so. It's just the whole fact that if you do have the belt that has a purpose, who who is uh, creating storylines and automatically inserting for debuting people and other people to get involved, it's good. It's it's good revenue for me, to me. So, okay, uh, two more things. We'll shift gears quickly. Uh, John Cena, uh, he he has a path to WrestleMania. Uh, not necessarily do we care, but do you think that this is the right? Uh, motivation for John Cena to earn his way to WrestleMania? No, because honestly, right now, he sounds like a dick. Yeah, not at all. I don't even care. I don't even care. And everything that's dealing with him in WrestleMania, with him asking for advice from, uh, what's his name, from the night show? Uh, the night show? Uh, what's the, oh, Jimmy the, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Why do I care? So, no, I don't get no John Cena news for me today or reactions. No, I mean, but I think that's interesting, though, considering that he is a 16-time champion. He definitely could and arguably should, you know, get over that hump before he retires officially. And now the way they book him for WrestleMania or set him on the road to WrestleMania is wham, 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 give me a belt. Yeah, slow, a slow but gentle hill turn. Hey, we want you to be a nice guy, but also kind of be a dick that only adults is going to recognize, but kids won't. I guess it works, but whatever, I don't care. Right. I, I think that that's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just weird, really weird booking for a guy like John Cena when he could probably have a one-off match with anybody in the world that he wants, and that, at least for his fan base, will make money. So very surprising there. Uh, this weekend, which will be Saturday, March the 10th, at the Annandale Volunteer Fire Department is Nova Pros Wrestling, first ever all-women's show, Rip Her to Shreds, uh, doors open at 7. Uh, the bell times at 7.30. And then, of course, will be the back end of a doubleheader, uh, Sink or Swim. It's the trial show. If you missed last year's trial show, would like I did, uh, because that apparently was crazy. Um, tickets are 
five dollars with a with a ticket to the night show, or ten dollars at the door if you want to go to the three o'clock show. Uh, twenty five dollars and for front row, and twenty bucks for GA for the night show. Ripper shreds. All women show, first time ever in Nova Pro history. I th- and we're going to definitely see some some new uh, you know talent, a lot of debuts and stuff like that. Uh, before, like, instead of getting into the entirety of the match, because honestly, it's their first women's show ever. You should already have your ticket. Realistically, what are you looking forward to more, the all-women show or the tryout show, uh, considering based on the strength of what the tryout show was last year? Um, I obviously would talk more about this over the weekend, but the trial show, considering that the fact that I know there's going to be talent uh, that's going to come from out of this trial show that will be uh, riding the Nova Pro wave for the rest of the year. We got tons of names from last year, and if it's to do any bit of resemblance of that, uh, you get big names and 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 um, big names and people you get accustomed to and grow with that will end up being a household name throughout the whole year. The trial show has definitely been a proven ground of sorts, and uh, a lot of you know names, you know, an Alley Cat, you know, Sugar Duncanton, uh, Jean Jean Lebon. Uh, you know, it's a lot of great um, names have come out of the trial show, so that's great. Um, last thing, May eighteenth, nineteenth at Corican Hall in Tokyo, Japan, starts of the best of the Super Juniors tournament for New Japan, two thousand eighteen. I don't know how to feel about that because they usually start at about three in the morning, but yeah, um, that's going to be a thing. And also fire pro wrestling. If you're a fan of that, uh, the old school wrestling game, fire pro wrestling world is coming out for PlayStation four this summer. Uh, and both of those were announced in Japan back in January at the fan fiesta. So a lot of new Japan news will be coming up in the next month or two. Uh, and of course, we will have to keep you updated with the news on the Make It Sound Classic, which is happening also in May, uh, May twelfth, I believe. So, a lot of you know, a lot of tidbits being sprinkled out that will set up your late spring into early summer. But yeah, that's the news for this week. Yep, and that's pretty much the episode for today. So um, again, a uh, lot of other stuff coming. We got we got a lot of work to do this weekend. So expect to hear from us tomorrow. Expect to hear from us on Saturday. Um, and, um, again, check us out every Thursday, 8 PM Eastern standard time live on YouTube, or you can catch this uh, podcast on your SoundCloud and you get all this information by stepping over to the website at biggobelgroup.com. So for everyone who's listening tonight, thank you for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Go bunnies.